Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The city of St. Louis requires that anyone taking a job with it also move within its borders. New hires have 120 days to move in or lose their jobs. There are some exceptions. We can talk about that in a little bit. But this has been longstanding policy for a very long time. The police department has long chafed at the requirement. Police Chief John Hayden said this last November. The single most greatest challenge the St. Louis Police Department has with respect to recruitment as well as retention is the residency requirement. First and foremost, we are the only police department in this region with a residency requirement. We have the most violent crime in the region, annually vying for the most violent city in the country. Yet we put a yoke of inconvenience on would-be applicants by demanding that they move into the city in order to work for our police department. That's St. Louis Police Chief John Hayden. And Mayor Lida Krusen is very sensitive to those concerns. Last year, she urged the city's Board of Aldermen to send to the voters a charter amendment that would remove residency requirements. That effort failed. But she's making a new push, and this one involves legislators in Jefferson City. So joining me in studio to talk about it is Ray Hartman. He's the founder of the Riverfront Times. He also has a great column that runs in the paper every week. And he also hosts a nightly radio show on KTRS because he insists on doing two jobs at once. So, Ray Hartman, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. And we're also joined by St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lipman. She's at the Board of Aldermen pretty much every week. She has seen this debated for years on and off. So, Rachel Lipman, welcome to the show. Glad to be back. So, Rachel, some context here. It feels like we've been talking about this forever, but a lot of political observers think this is the year that the city's residency requirement could finally be lifted for one group of city workers. What's going on and why is it happening now? So why it's happening now exactly is up for debate, whether it is they finally have people supporting the cause in Jefferson City. There's a working theory that this seven year you could move out of the city thing that the police officers have will go away because of local control. We can get into the weeds on that a little bit if you want. And I think it was also somewhat motivated by the fact that, yes, the city's been debating this for a while. The Board of Aldermen had never considered it really up until last year. In, in I think like November or December when it was actually an effort to put the charter amendment on the ballot was defeated. Um, defeated the, at defeated the Board of Aldermen. The Board of Aldermen said, no, we don't even want the voters to have a say on this issue, sent it down. Now, whether it comes back again next year, because they would still have some time to do it, I don't know. But there's, I guess, a sense of urgency. A lot of the stars are aligning where they can now feel they can take it to the state level and accomplish this goal, at least for police officers. And so this would only affect police officers at this point. It would only affect police officers at this point because they, they see a mechanism in state law to be able to affect police officers. It's a charter requirement. You're going to get into a whole debate of whether the city charter or state law trumps. It's been argued on both sides of the issue. The city has been on both sides of the issue. But they see right now the most feasible thing to happen at the state level to be police officers. And I think there's also just an appeal, especially in a Republican-dominated legislature, regarding police officers. If police officers want it, then you know, we're going to fight for it. Now, Ray Hartman, you wrote your column this week about this situation. I have to say it's a great column. People should go to RiverfrontTimes.com to read it or, or it pick doesn't up take this the position issue. you think it might, actually. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So you began by saying that you're a longtime critic of residency rules. Just to lay the groundwork here, wh where does that criticism come from? Well, 
it always came from a sense that we needed to have as full a hiring pool as possible for the city. And that this goes back to when I lived in the city, by the way. Um, and, of course, the RFT was in, is in the city. Um, basically, now, today, eight out of nine people defined as St. Louisans, by the way, we keep score, the Census Bureau, eight out of nine St. Louisans don't live within the city. The idea that a city government that is so clearly needing upgrade would disqualify Eight out of nine potential applicants for any position, police or otherwise, is just ludicrous. Um, but I'm a thousand percent opposed to the state of Missouri in its not-so-infinite wisdom cramming anything down St. Louis City, St. Louis County, or anybody else's throat on this subject. It's something that we need leadership on both sides. I happen to agree with Lida Cruz on the, on the substance of this, but it's incumbent upon her to have the leadership and the negotiation skills and work with the Board of Aldermen to at least put this on the ballot. I mean, reasonable people will fight about this forever. The idea that they can't, the same Board of Aldermen that properly put privatization of the airport on the, wanted to put it on the ballot, refuses to even put this to the voters. Uh, Ray writes in his column, I want to quote from this here, he says, allowing state politicians to invalidate the voted upon position of duly elected city officials, in this case the Board of Aldermen, isn't just a bad idea, it's a toxic one. Rachel, how upset is the Board of Aldermen about the fact that the mayor is openly um, trying to go around them? And, and she's been very open about it, that she's asking for help from Republicans in Jefferson City instead. <sighs> I honestly don't know if it has registered that this will actually move yet. So much gets introduced in Jefferson City. There are thousands upon thousands of bills that get introduced. Vast majority of them just go to die in committee. How aware some of them are that this is going to happen at the state level, I don't know. The other question is, what do they do about it? You know, they could conceivably try and preempt this, get something on the ballot super quick. I don't know that they have the time in which to do that. They maybe could get something on for March and just completely preempt it. But the legislature can move quickly when it wants to. So. And so you're saying if they could get something on the ballot, this would be a way to toss it to the voters, which they didn't want to do before. That might be able to somehow trump a change to state law? Who knows? Again, this is probably going to end up in court because issues of state law versus city charter almost always do. And there's been rulings on both sides as to whether state law or city charter, city ordinances trump in the city of St. Louis. And and I don't even know if the board would get its act together quickly enough to do this. You know, that's that's just the big question. Do they have the time to possibly do it for an upcoming election? I don't remember those deadlines well enough to know, but I don't know if they would have, you know, if, if this would trigger enough to be like, hey, look, we let the voters decide on an issue. I agree with Ray. The, the the opposition a little bit to even just having the voters decide is somewhat interesting unless they're worried about how voters would decide on the issue. Do we and, know anything about how the voters of St. Louis feel about this? I mean, there have been advisory referendums on the question of police residency alone. The most recent that I found was back in 2006. It was a non-binding resolution that said 65% of the voters supported police officers living in the city. My guess is that was the last time there was sort of any active, really active chatter about it at changing at the state level. But, you know, no, there hasn't been great real polling on this issue because 
who's going to put a pole in the field in the city of St. Louis. Right. In your column, you really do get at the idea that this sets kind of this very bad precedent for the mayor to be running around, um, getting around her own board this way. Yet there is quite a precedent for Jefferson City meddling in the lives of, of St. Louis City residents. I mean, isn't the precedent kind of already here? They're doing stuff to override what, what people want locally. Well, no. I mean, I th- they try. I mean, they tried with Better Together, for example. She tried and Steve Stanger tried. By the way, you both used the phrase trumping state. I, I refuse to, I'm keeping Trump out of this. I'm so, so sorry. Um, no, but I, I um, uh, no, I, it's not a question of precedent. As I raised in my column, I said, how would she like it if the Board of Aldermen passed a bill, she vetoed it, they didn't have the votes to override, so they ran down to the uh, legislators in, in Jeff City and tried to impose it upon her. I mean, it's just, a, a, whether it's a been Sure. Keep in mind, this is going to be not just in the city, in the county and the region. I've got pretty good sources telling me one of the things the Republicans want to do is they have this very patronizing attitude that in order to preserve Missouri at its you know, financial future, they simply have to to fix St. Louis and arguably St. Louis County because, quote, those people, unquote, read into that what you want, um, are incapable of governing themselves. And because they're the state's economic engine, they're going to drag us all down. And that is one of their themes. And it is a very uh, unfortunate and I really think dangerous thing. I think I, I push back a little bit on the idea that the precedent isn't there. You had the whole thing with the earnings tax where they put um, – a vote on the earnings tax in St. Louis and Kansas City. It has to go to the voters every five years now as to whether a third of the city's budget continues to come into the city's coffers. So, yeah, the and what about minimum there. wage, too? As yeah, Ray well, did with minimum wage. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I didn't mean to suggest it wasn't precedent. I think the precedent's bad. Sure. In other words, I think that was one of the worst things. And Rex Sinkfield did that. Not only did we impose, and this should be a cautionary tale, not only did Rex Singfield with his money, one of the few things he won, not only did he impose this ridiculous thing where St. Louis and Kansas City have to vote every five years to reinstate their earnings tax. And by the way, both of them voted like 80% on it. That we want this tax. Who votes 80% in favor of a tax? That happened in both cities. But in addition to that, and even worse, is Columbia, which is a place that could use one, Springfield, Joplin, you name it, they are all forbidden by the state legislature from having an earnings tax ever. And I mean, so the, the pre- you're right, the precedent's there, but it's a horrible precedent. It was a horrible precedent when the city uh, passed a minimum wage law and the state said, no, you don't. It's a horrible precedent that the, st- that the state imposes a ban on gun control laws on the city. I mean, I know it exists. I'm just saying it's terrible and it's only going to get worse. Rachel, there is one quick thing I want to talk about before we take a quick break here. And um, that has to do with there are currently some exceptions to this rule that officers have to live within the city. And I know this is really complicated (laughs) because you and I have been talking about this, but I think it does bear some discussion since we're talking about this changing. At one point, there was the ability, if officers had had been on the force for seven years, they could move out of the city. Where does that exception currently stand, to the best of your knowledge? To the best of my knowledge, that exemption currently exists. Where it gets tricky is that the language when the the St. Louis Police Department until 2013 was under the control of a state-appointed board. And one of the big pushes was to get it back under local control. So the city essentially having the administrative function, oversight function, etc. 
When that was passed, it basically said that any people hired by this oversight, the overseeing board, the Board of Police Commissioners, could move out after seven years. The argument that the city has been making is officers that have been hired since then are not eligible for that seven year you can move out of the city thing. So they're currently making people stay. Well, because we haven't hit that seven year mark yet, seven Mm -hmm. year of local control is this August. Theoretically, at that point, these officers who were hired after local control, who are now hitting their seven year mark and could move out of the city, the way the city interprets the law No, they would not be able to move out, whereas people hired prior to local control, once they hit seven years, they are able to move out of the city. And I think that may be part of what is driving this is officers are sitting there going, I'm going to be locked locked into, required Mm -hmm. to live in the city when a colleague who was hired a day before me Mm -hmm. may not be required to live in the city for their entire their entire career. It's a really interesting wrinkle on this whole thing. And I'm glad you you did the research to answer that question. So we're talking to St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lipman. We're also here with Ray Hartman, who's a columnist at the Riverfront Times and also that newspaper's founder. He's also the host of In the Know with Ray Hartman, and that airs weekday evenings on KTRS 550 AM. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this very conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And now back to our conversation. We're talking about residency requirements with Ray Hartman, the founder of the Riverfront Times, a columnist there who tackles this issue in his column that you can read online today at riverfronttimes.com. And we're also talking to St. Louis public radio reporter Rachel Lipman. She's our justice correspondent. She's also at the Board of Aldermen every week. Now, Ray, in your column, you note that many critics of easing the residency requirements say that the real problem isn't residency. It's that the city does a poor job of recruiting good employees. Let's listen to Alderman and Brandon Bosley. Here he is on the floor speaking to that issue. Not once since I have been an alderman in this city have we had a job for a downstairs in a rotunda. We continue to say that we post up. We just post online that these jobs are available. But we don't ensure that the residents, the ones who are qualified in the city of St. Louis are, are properly notified that these jobs exist. We ourselves send people who are looking for jobs to these departments to apply for these jobs and it takes them six months just to to get an interview. We have people waiting right now. I I have folks that I I have worked with to try to get jobs within the city of St. Louis and are continually waiting, interview after interview. And it's not that they're not qualified. We don't want to hire people in this city. I don't understand what the underlying premise for this is. It's not about residency. This is about control. It's about control and tax dollars. See, we are a dwindling city at this particular point. Our population has been dwindling for over 10 or 15 years. We're at, what, about 300, maybe 311 right now, 311,000 people. Our tax dollars, every single time you spend a dollar in the city, some of those tax dollars come back. So which means that we have some type of revolving door with our money when you are giving out money from the city and the residents live here in the city, they pay their taxes in the city, they go to the stores in the city, they, they buy their groceries in the city, they get their gas in the city, but when you come to the city and you get paid $50,000 or $30,000 and you take that check and you drive back out to the county and you spend your tax dollars in the county, you get your food in the county, you get your gas in the county, you pay your real estate taxes in the county, 
not only are we losing a resident, but we lose a tax base. And that's Alderman Brandon Bosley. Ray is somebody who is critical of the city's residency requirements, um, as much as you're also critical of Mayor Lyda Krusen's decision to go to Jeff City right. to, to push for the change. What do you make of those arguments in well, favor of, of the residency requirement? Well, first of all, Brandon Bosley's right, I mean, about the hiring. And, and that's a point that Kara Spencer's made, Annie Rice has made, a number made. And, and, you think and, they're doing a poor job of, of oh, I, dealing I, with the candidates they have? They would know. I mean, just like Rachel has way more facts than I have. Have, of course, um, I don't usually deal in actual facts, but um, yeah, I'm trying to make an exception on this. Um, well, thank you, Ray. We're glad but, you're going to deal um, with facts here on our show. You know, if you want facts, as, as and the firefighters have the seven and out requirement, which they got by uh, law. You know, to me, it's it, the issue is way broader. And one of the things people don't realize is this doesn't the residency does not apply to the county offices. So, for example, in the treasurer's office, there are 150 employees. You're talking the, about the St. Louis County St. Treasurer. Louis, no, the, no, the no. County the offices within I'm the city. About, I, I'm talking yeah. about Tashara Jones's office. In Tashara Jones's office, she has 150 employees. The only one of those employees that is required to live in the city is Tashara Jones. Hmm. The 150 employees of the, of the treasurer's office have no residency requirement. Neither do the sheriff. Neither do the circuit attorney. There's no residency requirement for any of them. Most people don't realize that. I did not realize and, that. And the, in addition, the and I got the at least that's Deshara Jones who told me he's got it wrong. I you know that's that's there's that the city schools has no requirement that city teachers live in the, in the city. Now, I will say this. What they do at the city, in both the city schools and the city government, is they give you uh, some points or check mark, whatever, for preference when you come in to, to apply for a job. I would, I would advocate, and I think I referred to this in the column, that the city consider having a two-tiered system. That they, instead of making this punitive, that they incentivize city residents who work in the city with a higher with a bonus, a higher pay, something that gives them a bonus for the fact that they live in the city and work in city government. And I just don't make a distinction between city government employees in general and county the office county holders offices. and police and fire. It, it's just, again, I keep coming back to the overriding theme. Eight out of nine St. Louisans don't live within the city. And I'm one of the people that thinks we need to all come together. So many people, I live in Richmond Heights. You know, that's not exactly far away. So many people who live in St. Louis County, like, you know, they it's when it's great about the city, when there's a the Blues win the Stanley Cup, whatever. When it's great about the city, it's ours. When it's bad about the city, it's theirs. We've got to lose that mentality as a region. And you can't ask for that and then tell somebody, you know, think about how many potential police officers. I happen to think we need to really focus on more African-American police officers because of the, frankly, the racial injustices in our system. Think of how many African-Americans, you realize more African-Americans live in St. Louis County than in St. Louis City. Think of that pool of people, for example, for potential police officers or other city workers who would work here, but they don't want to move. And, and you know, they like their house or they like their neighbor. 
neighborhood or they like their schools, whatever. We should not be, and not just in North County, all over, we should not be and, telling them that they have to move to work in the city of St. Louis. We should be trying and, 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 to and get I'll, them. And I'll say two things about some of what Ray just mentioned. And one is that there was some discussion when Carol Howard's bill to put the charter change on the ballot first came up about incentivizing those who choose to live in the city. And her thing was, I don't want to deal with that. We can't do that in a charter change. We have to handle that with legislation. Whether or not there would be any conversation about doing that, I don't know. I, I would also make the, the point that a lot of the discussion about residency requirements for officers is that, oh, well, they, you know, they if they live in the city, they know the city, they understand the city. I would wager a guess that somebody coming in from a small town in North County may know more about far north St. Louis than a police officer who lives in St. Louis Hills and is working up in far north St. Louis. North County, North City are demographically some of the issues that they face very similar to each other. North St. Louis and most of South St. Louis, St. Louis Hills. Southwest Garden, Lindenwood Park, Northampton, etc. They are vastly different. different from each other. Ray, we also hear this argument that people maybe feel safer to see a cop car parked on their street, that they like having a cop as their next door neighbor. As somebody who's critical of these residency requirements, what, what's your thoughts on that? I've heard that argument for three decades or more. I hate to show my age. And by the way, on your first point again, Rachel, there she goes with facts. You promised me we weren't going to do that, Sarah. But more she facts. She promised you, more you facts. she wasn't going to do that. She more didn't facts. promise me. True. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anything no, to get him on my show. Rachel's got facts. Um, but but back to this. Um, since I when I, I remember when I lived in the city, the idea I've heard it. I mean, literally since the '80s, that people feel safer if a, if an officer. It is a false sense of security. The folks, and I know this from having been a victim in the city of you know, it is it's just. Part of being in the city, there's a lot of petty crime. There's a lot of very serious crime, obviously. I'm not minimizing this or being, you know, trite about it. But the people that that rob apartments and homes generally case the neighborhood, okay, before they do it. If the same police car is parked in the same spot in front of the same officer's house, they know that a police officer lives there. If you think that's going to disincentivize them from breaking into your house, three doors or apartment, three doors down across the street or whatever on the block, you have a false sense of security. They know what it is. Now, if they see two police officers with you know, guns, you know, every day, that might be different. But the point is, the idea that that police car, <clears throat> it also implies that somehow the, these underpaid officers are on duty 24-7, you know, which they're not. Impossible. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's just a false argument, and it's really a false sense of security. I understand, and no one, no one with a pulse doesn't understand that solving and fighting crime is the number one priority of the city of St. Louis. There's no question about it. I would argue, as I have in my column, that more needs to be done about the causes than the symptoms. But having said that, people have every right to want to have the 130 police officer spots filled. They have every right to want to see more live officers out on their streets, whether they're in North St. Louis, South, or the the Central Corridor. So so I'm not minimizing anything. But this idea that a, that, that a police car has some kind of scarecrow effect is just ridiculous. It just doesn't work that way. 
Rachel, one thing I find myself wondering as somebody who owns property in the city, do you think this could result if uh, Jefferson City does what the mayor wants and, and releases these cops from having to live here? Do you think this will result in a flood of people moving away from the city and, and be bad for some neighborhoods just because of the pure loss of residents? I think it's hard to say. Um, a lot of what drives people to go out to the county could be schools, could be education. It's going to really depend on the individual family circumstances. Moving regardless of whether you have the right to do it or not is a pain in the butt. We've all done it. Like, it's just, it's not fun. I don't know that people are going to make the decision to say, oh, because I can now, I will move out to the county. I don't think it's going to be this huge influx of, oh, I can leave because, again, moving isn't fun. It's going to depend a lot on the individual circumstances of the family and what they think is best for their kids. If, you know, their kids are stable in the schools where they are, if they think they can afford to keep them in the schools that they are, they find the city schools working for them, they're not going to want to disrupt their lives any more than somebody who wants to take a job in the city but won't because of the residency requirement wants to disrupt Mm -hmm. their lives. It's going to be a very individual choice. So, my gut tells me no, there isn't going to be this huge influx because if you've settled your life down, if it's working for you, you don't want to disrupt that just because you have the permission to. Having just moved in October, it's a pain. You don't want to do it if you don't absolutely have to do it. Now, Ray actually addresses this in his column. I, I want to quote this because I, I thought it was a really good passage. Ray, you write, the 2.5 million of us who live in St. Louis, but not the city of St. Louis, really need to lose the habit of viewing everything that's great about the city that's ours, everything that's bad about the city is theirs. The flip side is that city residents need to embrace non-residents as their friends and neighbors, not outsiders. Residency rules designed to shun non-residents are inhospitable. Residency rules designed to discourage city employees from moving out are insecure. Now, as a St. Louisan, don't we have some reason to feel insecure? People are always just giving us a hard time. Why would no, anyone well, want to live in the city? I agree with what Rachel just said and about city about moving, but also I have a lot of as many friends as I can have. Uh, I have lots of friends, including you, in the city who live in the city, most of whom are not part of the government, and they live in the city because they love the city. They like living here, and that applies to people in the government. So this whole when I say insecure, it's it's counter. Pro, you know, messaging or something. There's great stuff going on in the city. I have black friends, white friends, Hispanic friends that like living where they live. That the fact that like we eliminate the city government, the city residency requirement for government workers, so there's this like this exodus to the kind. It's just insane. Most people like living here. Obviously, there are some places in the city that are tragically dangerous and crime ridden, and we need to address that. I'm not minimizing sure. it, but the fact is that we need way more investment that we're getting in the north side of our city. But the fact is that most people, including many in North St. Louis, who I know do not want to move. I think it's just a complete, I don't know what you call it, red herring or whatever. It's the idea that, you know, that on one hand, we're, we have all this stuff and all these great neighborhoods, whether it's, you know, whether you're talking about Cherokee Street, Tower Grove, all over the West End, Clifton Park, any, you name it. There's so much going on that's great. The idea that we have all this great, but as soon as we uh, stop making you live in the city, you're going to go rush out to Creve Corps. It's just not happening. We're talking to Ray Hartman of the Riverfront Times and also St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lippman. Um, in addition to these two knowledgeable voices with uh, a full set of facts, we also 
also heard from some listeners. Um, Laura, one of our listeners on Twitter, writes, this is another frustrating example of STL trying to fix the wrong problem. We're a region, and yes, officers should be able to live anywhere in the region, but the issue is our self-imposed city-county border. Get rid of that instead. And why on earth does the state legislature get a say? Another listener on Twitter says, remove the requirement. Sometimes life dictates that you live in a certain part of town. That should not keep capable and dedicated people from working for the city they want to help. Jacob writes on Twitter, get rid of it. Police and firefighters should live within reasonable response time. Everyone else's preference on style of residential living has no correlation with ability to do a job. This is an old law that needs to move with the times, yet there's a lot more holding the city back. Public Ethic STL writes, whatever we do... That's Wally Seward on Twitter, by the way. Yes, Wally (laughs) Seward then says, whatever we do, it should be St. Louis that does it, not Jeff City. Now, for the record, we put up a Twitter poll yesterday asking listeners where they stand on this, and the results are really split. Um, As of, I think, about 11.45 this morning, about 49.4% of respondents said St. Louis should do away with the requirement, and 50.6% were in favor of keeping it. So it's a very scientific what's, number there. What's, but what's the uh, the uh, uh, universe on that? The, uh, total yeah, number I'm of not going to say it's a large sample size, <laughs> but I think uh, oh, we did get 87 votes. So okay. yes, there's a, a very large number of people voting here. But there's clearly just a, a real difference of opinion on this issue. And it sounds like reasonable people have different reasons for, for feeling why they feel. Rachel, have you heard any talk at the Board of Aldermen about instead putting in place something like what Ray is talking about, some incentive for living in the city so it's a carrot and not as much of a stick. Yes, but you'd have to get the residency requirement vote up first. I don't know that they could incentivize it, give them the money without eliminating the residency requirement, because what does it matter? Mm -hmm. If you incentivize someone for living in the city, you're incentivizing now, you're incentivizing them for do something they are required to do. I think you would have to see, you know, this move as a package of legislation. Mm-hmm. One piece says we're putting this to a voter. The other piece says if the residency requirement is lifted, there are bonuses for X, Y, and Z. It would have to be a concerted effort to do this in tandem. And again, I don't know if the board can, will, wants to, etc. think about it holistically in that sense. So speaking of the board, Alderwoman Carol Howard is the person who was really pushing last year to send this to a vote of the city. And she did tell us she doesn't have a strong opinion on the possibility of the state legislature taking action to remove the requirement. She says she does hope it works out on the state level, quote, if that's the only way to get it done. Here's what she had to say, which I thought was kind of interesting, about what she believes to be the origin of the residency requirement in the first place. This whole thing stems from an archaic system that, you know, jobs were votes and votes were jobs. And that's that's actually, I think, how it got started. You know, when you look back, um, many of the the committee people and the ward bosses, you know, held jobs for people that helped them get elected. So what we're doing is we're, (laughs) we're continuing this archaic system of people being um, beholding to the, you know, the aldermen, the committee people, whoever, you know, for jobs, but it doesn't work like that anymore. It's just, it's not, not that, that system's pretty much outmoded. And, you know, you can't have that mentality and, you know, move a city forward. That's Alderwoman Carol Howard. Rachel, do you think she makes a point that this is sort of tied into that old system of patronage that... 
I mean, it, it was approved in 1914, the current language. So, yeah, there probably is some tie to reformist government eliminating some of the old machine. You know, you live. Yes, I will. I, I don't know. I wasn't alive in 1914. I don't even think Ray was alive in 1914. Thanks, Rachel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You brought it up yourself. Hey, I could go with OK Boomer, but that might be a little. OK, no. My apologies. No, no, it's funny. But yes, it makes a logical sense that a residency requirement would have worked, made sense in the days of jobs or votes, and you want to keep your voters in the city if you got them jobs. So, Ray Hartman, I mean, we've been talking about this issue. You've made a pretty compelling argument against the residency requirement, but now this is going to be a topic in Jeff City. What would you like to see happen there? Well, first of all, nothing. I mean, I cannot be clear. I do not want Jeff City imposing its collective non-wisdom on us, period, full stop. That's that's easy. I, I, I like the, the historical reference that I think we ought to have really goes to the 1950s. And that is, in the 1950s, there were 850,000 people living within the same borders that we currently have 300,000. And what's been the least understood dynamic of all things about government is it's pretty much maybe some new buildings, but for the most part, it's the same structure, the same everything that we had 850, that we now have 300. And so we have to understand, and when we had 850,000 people, there were far fewer than that living outside those borders as St. Louisans. Almost everybody lived in the city. So that changed that dynamic. Now, I will say this. If there's a point of compromise that I would think a leader could come to is a lot of members of the Board of Aldermen, and particularly African-American, the African-American caucus or whatever you call it, is opposed, would like to repeal the the vote that, give me some facts, was it 2012? 2012, uh, yes. In, in, uh, you, um, <laughs> that, in which that shrunk the size of the Board of Aldermen. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is the kind of thing you could horse trade. You could say, look, we'll, you know, this is important to you, and Getting rid of residency is important to us. Let's put both of them on the ballot. Now, that to me would be a really decent compromise. <clears throat> I have to tell you, when I first, I, I was, I thought it made sense to shrink the board. And people said, you know, and then somebody pointed something out to me the other day that I hadn't ever thought about. I live in Richmond Heights, okay? We have 25,000 people, I think, in, in Richmond Heights. I don't know exactly how, not really active. I don't know how many people are on the city council, but I can tell you what, it's more than two. Right. Okay, so when people say, oh, my God, we don't need 28 aldermen, the idea that 28 aldermen represent maybe 11,000 people apiece, you know, again, in a city of 25,000, you know, I'm sure our city council members represent four or 5,000. So, I mean, the idea that that's such a ridiculous thing, mm-hmm. I think it was ill And I think I was for it. I think it was a bad idea. And so to me, that would be an example of what you could do working together. Um, But but there's such, you know, we talk about Washington and all the gridlock. Right now, there's real gridlock in the city. 
And whether it's on the mayor or on the board or both, they really need to start uh, working together better. Dealing with their stuff. Well, and Rachel Lippman will keep us informed as they do. So Ray Hartman of the Riverfront Times and In the Know with Ray Hartman weekday evenings on KTRS 550 AM. Thank you so much for joining hey, us Hey, thanks for having me. I, you know, Twitter's not usually this unkind to me, so I'll come back anytime. All right. I love to hear that. And St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lippman, thank you for being here. Of course, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.